Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Before I get started, I'd like you to now hear the words that you just saw on the screen. This is a safe place filled with friendly people. People who love Jesus and want more of Jesus in their lives. This sanctuary is the heart of who we are, and you are welcomed, cared about, and loved. The words you saw in our opening worship video, in words that are true. Jesus is exhausted. He's so tired. It's noon. The sun is high in the sky, and its rays are beating down upon him, and he almost falls into a seated position in this famous plot of dry ground called Jacob's Well. It's almost hard to imagine Jesus being this bone-weary, tired. Jesus is the Son of God, so what's he doing being tired? But remember, Jesus chose to become human like us. Jesus is both. He is human, and he is God. And he wants to remember this. He wants us to remember and to take it in because it's up close and it's personal. And that look, the one that the Samaritan woman has when she sees him, we now share in it. When Jesus, our very human Savior, encounters the woman at the well, he's hot, he's tired, he's thirsty, and what's more, is he's not packing a bottle of smart water or Evian like we would when he goes out on a trip. Jesus is absolutely parched, and he knows exactly what he needs to ease his thirst as he asks her, give me a drink. It's a touching and vulnerable moment. One of the very few times that we hear Jesus actually make a request of another person and he needs something that only she can provide in this situation. And this means that no matter what we have ever experienced in life, that he feels it too. He is human like us. And no more human than in this particular story. When we are flat out tired, bone tired, dead tired, Jesus has been tired too. So perhaps the question for us today is, are you tired? Are you tired on your journey through life today? Are you tired from work or illness or adversity that you're experiencing? Jesus can relate because Jesus is tired too. And in this moment for Jesus, it doesn't matter that he's the son of God, the savior of the world. He's a man in a male-orientated society a Jew encountering someone from an ethnically disparaged Samaritans. All the barriers and the differences, the gender, the nationality that might divide them, they just fall away. Jesus is simply a person with a basic human need, and this woman has the ability to help him with that need. She can give him water to back up. The story never actually tells us if Jesus gets that cup of water because there's something much more important going on here. We don't know if this 
unnamed woman took the time to draw water from the well for him, but we do know that she stops everything she's doing to attend to him because she's just shocked that a man is talking to her. Just by noticing her, Jesus has opened up a world of brand new possibilities to this woman weighed down by guilt and shame. And Jesus, of course, is never simply a taker. He hasn't come into her life simply to demand something from her. Jesus is experiencing the discomfort of thirst, but he knows that the woman at the well is carrying a far heavier burden than a bucket of water. He's prepared to give her so much more. He's going to offer her something that not even Gatorade or Diet Coke or Perion could ever offer. He's come a long way. Remember, he's come out of his way, no doubt, to encounter this woman, to remove her thirst. He knows the secrets of her heart. Jesus recognizes her thirst for forgiveness and acceptance. Jesus offers what she needs even before she knows to ask for it. And unlike Jesus, she doesn't even have to voice her request. I can give you living water, he tells her. Water that can heal and ease the pain in your heart. This water is truly refreshing. But the woman, she's consumed with the day in and the day out burden of hauling endless buckets of water back and forth from the well to her family. She can't grasp the magnitude of what Jesus is offering her. She simply is eager to find a way to avoid the back-breaking drudgery that defines her life. And Jesus tells her that he has water that will forever cure her thirst. She eagerly replies, Sir, give me this water so that I may never have to come back to draw it. Jesus is offering to open up all of eternity to her. And she's focused on making fewer trips to the village well, which is exactly what makes her relatable to us. How often are we ready to settle for less than what God wants to offer us? How often do we hesitate to ask for anything from our generous God, who's prepared to let love and blessing and forgiveness just flow over us like an ever-flowing stream? There's no way the woman at the well could visualize how refreshing this water is, how life-giving. And Jesus isn't suggesting a better way to do her chores. He's not proposing to create a better work environment for her. He's offering to ease the burden of her troubled soul, to release her from the pain of guilt. And this woman is living with a past that makes her an outcast in her own town, in her own neighborhood. She's been married multiple times. Even worse for her in that culture's day and age, she's now living with a man who's not her husband. And the reason no one is at the well when she comes at that time of day is because she's been judged by her community and has fallen short. When all the other women come at the early morning to avoid the hot sun, she stays indoors. She's isolated herself. And according to our world's view, the Samaritan woman, she's an outcast with a bad reputation. 
She was used to being sneered at and talked about and frowned upon and turned away, even with the people who knew her most. She carries with her the pain of guilt and shame and rejection, and that's a far heavier burden than the water that she hauls every day. And Jesus doesn't want to help her with the burden of her hands. He wants to ease the burden of her heart. He wants to remove the pain, the isolation, the disgrace. There is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and deep. I feel the pain and prayers and the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. And if you can't pray like Peter and you can't pray like Paul, go home and tell your neighbor he died to save us all. Because there is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the wounded soul. The balm in Gilead is referenced in the Old Testament, but the lyrics of the song refer to the New Testament, to Jesus, his salvation that he brings to all of us. And the healing balm in Gilead is interpreted as a spiritual medicine that is able to heal the people of Israel back then when the prophet declared it. And today, here and now, for all of us sinners. In the Old Testament, the balm of Gilead is taken most directly from this little verse in the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 8, 22. This is God speaking. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wounds of my people? Because the people have rejected God. And Jesus comes to be the balm. For the Samaritan woman, for each one of us. Jesus says to her, to you, to me today, I've heard your prayers. I've seen your tears. I will heal you. Trust me. At your lowest, I'm your hope. At your darkest, I'm your light. At your weakest, I'm your strength. And at your saddest, I'm your comforter. At RGPC, we have a mission statement. It's on the front of your building. It's on the side of the bus. By the loving grace of Jesus Christ working in us, we are a people who practice welcoming relationships and caring service to the glory of God. That's who we are. And just like the Samaritan woman at the well, we have been rescued from darkness, redeemed, forgiven, loved, to live Christ-like lives as we come up against the hardships and sometimes terrifying circumstances of this world in which we live and we meet it with Jesus, his hands and feet to be good news. And that in the midst of despair, the church of Jesus Christ, the Christian church, is to express hope in the face of incredible pain that comes with separation, to express the love of God, to convert hostility into hospitality, Jesus walked into Samaria, and his conversation with the unnamed woman at the well demands that we pay attention to how we, as a Christian church, can create ourselves to be a community of peace, of reconciliation, that has the power to change lives. 
13 times in the New Testament, Jesus says this one line, three-word sentence, love one another. Love one another. Because Jesus has told us to love one another here at RGPC, it's exactly why we engage in so much community outreach, mission, have sermon series like this one about faith, and mental illness, why we have a ministry dedicated to first responders and the military, why we put so much into social media and our video production ministry that we may spread the word of Jesus far wider than our own property. It's why we are the motivator to the city's Be the Eye and Kind campaign so we can do our part and call the city in which we live and ourselves to be kinder still, one of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the words given out on Star Sunday this past January, all of it very purposeful and intentional. Today's resource offers us ways to be in conversation with someone, and so often many of you will come to me and say, I was, this person was really hurting and I didn't know what to say and I didn't know what not to say, and so literally I've offered those things to you in the insert today. What people think support looks like. You'll be fine. Don't worry, it's not a big deal. Snap out of it. I mean, it's all part of God's plan. But you have a great life. I mean, you always seem so happy. I mean, everyone's a little down sometimes. It's normal. It's all in your head. Come on, things could be worse. This too shall pass. Just try to be positive. Yeah, that's not what support looks like. This is what support looks like. I'm here for you. I'm listening. I'm so sorry you're going through this. How can I help? I'm praying for you. How are you doing today? One of the first lessons of Stephen ministry, don't just say, how are you doing? It's too big of a question when someone is hurting. Say, how are you doing today? And then stick around for the answer. Because that's what we saw Jesus do with the Samaritan woman. You know, our God is the God of grace who calls us from our different journeys to be servants and prayer people, prayer warriors. Jesus knows there are times when we struggle with doubt and loss, and we question his presence in the midst of our own pain and in the pain of those we love. And we pray that he grant us the patience to let us love it's deep into every broken part of ourselves. Because as wounded healers, we have the capability to help others who have now been where we have already gone. You know, the Spirit of God sees our daily struggles, our uncertainties about what God wants us to do with our lives. And how do we follow Jesus in this day and age out into the world? And we pray God grant us the willingness to honestly doubt so that the questions of faith and discipleship may be honestly answered rather than ignored. We pray for ourselves to give up the stagnant water of our lives. Right, in order for the Samaritan woman to receive all that Jesus was to give her, she had to let go and get out 
all of that pain and that shame in order that she might be filled with his love. May we know the deep peace and the inner joy and the fulfillment that comes with being loved by God who will stop at nothing to love us. And we pray for the grace the Samaritan woman had to share our love and our hope and our purpose and meaning with others. To acknowledge that we are united as God's people. A people with a mission to bring God's love into the world through the one in whose footsteps we strive to follow in that being Jesus. And he says to us today, with me you can let go of the disappointments, of the setbacks in your life. And you can hang on to the promises I have for your future. I am a big fan of Pope Francis. And he said this quote, Let the church always be a place of mercy and hope where everyone is welcome, loved, and forgiven. They say that discipleship is like riding a bike. Sometimes we fall off, God brings us back, and we get back on the bike again. And I really believe that the Christian church needs to get on the bike of discipleship in a way they haven't before. We need to be pedaling out into the world to offer our support. And we need to offer support, not to everyone just out there, but to everyone in our immediate circle. The people that share your home, your family, your friends, your church, your community. Jesus said, there's still living water to be shared. We cup it into our hands and we drink and we're refreshed. And sometimes it comes as words that heal and hold good news to tell. The broken, quieted, scattered in lines of type. Or sometimes it comes from the sound we hear or the words included to us all. The quiet coolness of the fresh, blessed moments. Sometimes it comes as a touch. A handshake, a hug, a laying out of hands, a healing touch to bring us from loneliness to acceptance sealed with love and care and living water because the living water that is Jesus Christ is ours to share. Jesus is our steadfast and encouraging Lord of life. Accept and receive him as your living water. And then, once you do, make sure you fill yourselves up, that you can then go out and word and deed to those around you, and to say, Jesus loves you, and so do I. I want to pray for you. How are you doing today? May it be so in us. Amen.